Welcome to The Baton, a John Williams musical journey. Join host Jeff Cummings as he takes you through the career of the illustrious film composer John Williams one film at a time. Starting with his debut as a film composer in 1959 through more than 100 films in 60 years. Now, here's your host, Jeff Cummings. Welcome everyone to this episode. I am so glad you're here. We're going to explore the music of the 1968 film Valley of the Dolls. And those of you who are John Williams fans know how monumental this film was for the maestro. For those of you who aren't aware of the historical significance this film carries, I'm sure you'll look at this film in a completely different way by the end of this episode. I'm going to be talking about some major plot points, so if you don't want to know about certain moments in the film while listening to this episode, I strongly suggest watching the whole film first, then coming back here afterward. As I mentioned in the Fitzwillie episode, Valley of the Dolls was released on December 15, 1967, with Fitzwillie coming out just five days later. Valley of the Dolls got a very limited release in December, just enough to make it eligible for awards consideration. If you have seen this movie, you would wonder what award possibilities the filmmakers thought they had. This was a common occurrence, though, to open films in a few cities around Christmas time and then put them in more theaters in the following weeks. It's called a rollout release, and it is still a popular thing to do in the 21st century. Valley of the Dolls got its world premiere in New York City on December 15th and then in Los Angeles. The film didn't spread out to the rest of the country until 1968, so if you do a search for this film online, many places will denote Valley of the Dolls as a 1968 film. In any case, John Williams' music was being heard in two films at the same time, which didn't hold the same weight as it does today, but that was still something that had to make John Williams happy. Valley of the Dolls is not really a musical, but it does contain five original songs composed by the husband and wife team of Andre and Dory Previn. Andre Previn, who just passed away on February 28, 2019, was just four years older than John Williams, but had seen a lot of early success in Hollywood as an arranger of other people's music, winning four Oscars between 1958 and 1964 for adapting the musicals Gigi, My Fair Lady, and Porgy and Bess. He also won an Oscar for adapting pre-existing music into the score for Irma La Douce. When it came to writing his own music, Previn was highly critical of his work, and that was true for the songs he wrote for Valley of the Dolls. Reports indicate that he couldn't bear to hear the demos of the songs, walking out of the studio many times and calling his work rubbish. I wouldn't call the songs rubbish, but they're not masterpieces either. We'll get to those songs in a moment. Previn and Williams had a long history together, with the two often crossing paths in Hollywood. While Williams was honing his craft, he would often visit Previn at MGM, where Previn was under contract, and watch Previn at work. That association reached into 1966, when Previn conducted the first of only two performances of John Williams' Symphony No. 1 with the Houston Symphony Orchestra. At the same time that he was working on the songs for Valley of the Dolls, Previn was tasked with working on the new musical version of Thoroughly Modern Millie for Universal Pictures. Now, I don't have credible sources to verify this, but I believe that Previn was either not interested in working on Valley of the Dolls beyond writing songs, or he had no time to do the adaptation score with Camelot coming out in October. 
In either case, he turned to his friend John Williams to serve as musical director slash conductor slash arranger for the film. This, of course, was a lot of responsibility for John Williams, but he had been in charge of all the music on pretty much all of his films since the beginning. But this was the first time he had such a major involvement with the music before filming started. Though he wasn't writing the songs for Valley of the Dolls, Williams was working with the Previns to create arrangements and orchestrations that would work for the songs. Four of the five songs were going to be performed by actors in the film, so those needed to be recorded before filming began. At the time, Judy Garland was hired to play the role of Helen Lawson, a diva-like Broadway star who pushes out the young ingenue to protect her status. Imagine the excitement John Williams must have felt to record a song with Judy Garland. Unfortunately, Garland was well known at the time for arriving late to the studio, often too drunk or high on pills to perform. She did record the song, I'll Plant My Own Tree, and that recording survives. But Garland was replaced by Oscar winner Susan Hayward when director Mark Robson decided losing Garland's participation on the film was better than the headache of trying to get a decent day's work from her. Here's a listen to a bit of the Judy Garland version of I'll Plant My Own Tree. And I'll make it grow My tree will not be just one in a row My tree will offer shade when strangers go by If you're a stranger, brother, well, so am I Susan Hayward was not a singer, so as was customary at the time, someone else recorded the song for Hayward to lip-sync. That person was actress and singer Margaret Whiting. Here's her version of I'll Plant My Own Tree, which clearly is trying to mimic Judy Garland's vocal with a little Susan Hayward sass. I'll plant my own tree and I'll make it grow. My tree will not be just one in a row. My tree will offer shade when strangers go by. If you're a stranger, brother, well, so am I. Come tomorrow, all that I see. Patty Duke plays the ingenue Neely O'Hara, which was to be Duke's first role as a full-fledged adult actress after winning the Oscar in 1962 for The Miracle Worker at just 16 years old, and then starring her own TV show in her late teens. Neely is very talented and is rehearsing her one big number for her Broadway debut when we first see her. That song is Give a Little More, and it's fairly decent.
my friend To face yourself With all you have in store But if you can Then brace yourself With blues you can't ignore Well then, my friend Remind yourself To give a little more Neely gets her big break when she's hired to sing on a telethon and she belts out, It's Impossible. If you watch the performance and hear the song, you'll get a very strong Barbara Streisand vibe. It's impossible to tell you right now If I tried it, I'd never know how Gee, luck ain't for me Far as I know, far as I see I'm no winner, boy I'd make a mess, baby, unless you say so It's impossible, it's not my style If I tried it, I'd miss by a mile I'm not worth a dime Ain't got the stuff, ain't got the time I'm a loser, I ain't for success Baby, unless you say so Streisand was very popular at the time with her Broadway performance in Funny Girl resonating all over the country. So it's no surprise that the Previns wrote the song with a Streisand pop to it to give it some more popularity. Patty Duke was a serviceable singer, but the final recording of the song was done by Gail Heidemann. Both Heidemann and Whiting never got credit in the film or the soundtrack album for their work, similar to Marty Nixon, who sub-dubbed the voices of many actors in so many musicals without recognition until very recently. The fourth song in the film is a lounge number by a character named Tony Polar. He sings Come Live With Me, and the actor Tony Scotty got to actually sing the song. It's very Frank Sinatra-ish in its delivery. Come live with me And be my love If only for a day Come live with me And see my love How fast it fades away Love is a flower That lives for an hour Then withers and dies Where is the prize? Forgive me if I deride love But darling, I tried love And so I say Come live with me The title tune doesn't mention the phrase Valley of the Dolls, but the song is called Theme from Valley of the Dolls. The song essentially belongs to the character Anne Wells, a woman who leaves her quiet New England town for a life in New York City. The song is performed four times in the film, with the lyrics changing as Anne's life changes. This is the song as played in the opening credits when Anne is riding the train to New York City. 
gonna get, have to get off all alone. Gotta find out, gonna find, need to find life on my own. When will I know, where will I, how will I know what I'll be? The singer is Dionne Warwick, who was one of the most loved singers in the 1960s. Composer Burt Bacharach discovered her and made her a superstar with songs like Say Hello to Prayer, Walk On By, and Don't Make Me Over. Getting Warwick to sing the theme song to Valley of the Dolls was just as big as getting Julie Garland to act in the film. Actually, Garland was contracted to sing the theme song, but was fired before she was able to record it. Barbara Parkins, who plays Anne in the film, suggested Warwick as a replacement, and that was a smart call. The song went to number two on the Billboard 100, furthering the exposure for the film. Once he was done conducting the performances of the songs for the film, Williams had some free time between February and May 1967 while Valley of the Dolls was filming. He took the better part of March and the early part of April to compose the score to Fitzwillie, and then, thanks to my friends at Music Box Records, I understand it only took him three days to record the score. By the time Williams' work was done on Fitzwillie, it was time to go back to Valley of the Dolls and work on the underscore. At this point, Williams' responsibility was nothing different from what he had done on Diamond Head, Gidget Goes to Rome, Penelope, and others. He would take the melodies from the songs and work them into the underscore but he also had the opportunity to create some original music of his own. The result is quite amazing, and I feel it was the best work he had done for film up to that point. One of the first major moments of Underscore comes about 35 minutes into the film after we have heard all five original songs. It's when Anne makes love to a man named Lion, an attorney at the agency where she works. Anne had previously been played as a virtuous woman who seemed overwhelmed working as a secretary for a Broadway agent. But she falls hard for Lion, and Williams gets his first chance to put the theme song to use.
The next morning, Neely is getting ready to start her preparation to become a famous singer, which involves physical training. We get a montage of that preparation with the melody from It's Impossible playing underneath. The music matches the video, fast-paced and frenzied, with a cool jazz vibe to it. Not long after Neely becomes a musical sensation, Anne accidentally becomes a famous model for a cosmetics company and also gets a montage of her own. I don't detect any adaptation music in this scene. I think this is an original composition by John Williams with the strings and piano offering a lush melody to highlight Anne's beauty, a stark contrast to the way Neely's rise to stardom is portrayed. Neely is the first to fall victim to the dolls in the title, a reference to the pills that serve as downers. She shows up to Anne's house one night distressed about her career and her marriage until Anne suggests that Neely show more compassion for her husband. So, Neely rushes home to make love to her husband. The conversation scene between Anne and Neely ends with a rendition of the main theme music, then turns a little mysterious as Neely returns home 
undresses, and looks for her husband. She doesn't find him right away, but when the music ends, she discovers him in the pool with another woman. For most of the movie, Jennifer, a beautiful aspiring actress with little talent, spends her life as the wife of singer Tony. But when he contracts a debilitating disease, she must go to work to pay the hospital bills. She lands a job doing a French art movie, which is essentially just softcore pornography. Jennifer does little in the movie except wriggle around barely naked. Jennifer and her director are watching the final scene in the screening room, and the film features an underscore by John Williams, and I think it's an original composition. Williams takes the typical French touch to this music with the accordion, composing the original piece of music for the film within a film. At this point in the film, about 90 minutes in, John Williams has done great things with the music. He's been able to write some original pieces and has done well with adapting some of Andre Previn's song melodies. But it's the scene involving Jennifer's suicide that features Williams at his best in this movie, and honestly at his best in his very young career. He's tasked with adapting the music from the song Come Live With Me as Jennifer thinks about her life as Tony's wife. But for the most part, this entire cue is an original John Williams composition. Jennifer has been diagnosed with inoperable breast cancer, and knowing she can't be a good caregiver for Tony, and faced with the thought of living a life without part of what made her desirable, she takes a mouthful of pills. John Williams brings a mournful violin into the score, and it's absolutely haunting. 
We'll hear Tony singing Come Live With Me a couple of times as Jennifer drifts off to sleep. The way John Williams closes out this scene is bound to give you chills. I'm thinking of the final scene in the often forgotten film Heartbeeps from 1981 when I hear that music. It's another film in which a main character dies while thinking about their true love, and the music in that scene in Heartbeeps always puts a lump in my throat. We'll talk more about that when we get to the episode featuring Heartbeeps. After Jennifer's suicide, there isn't any more music in the film until the final scene when the title song gets new lyrics to highlight Anne's return to New England and the life she thought was beneath her. I like how Dory Previn was able to create new lyrics for the song throughout Anne's life while still keeping the same style of the melody. Gotta be here, gotta be, have to be where I belong. Now that I to know, came to know where I went wrong. It was all here, here it was. Why was I blind to it then? This is my world, here it is. This is where I'll start again. I'm really surprised the theme song was not nominated for the Best Original Song at the Academy Awards. As I mentioned, Dionne Warwick's version got lots of radio play and shot to number two on the Billboard charts, but perhaps the campy version of the film overshadowed the earnest song. That year's nominees for original song included The Bare Necessities from The Jungle Book and The Look of Love from Casino Royale, two songs that became classics. And there was the winning song, Talk to the Animals, from Dr. Doolittle, written by John Williams collaborator Leslie Brickus. Valley of the Dolls did get a nomination for the 40th Academy Awards for Best Adaptation Score. The person receiving the nomination? It was John Williams! The maestro collected the first of what would become more than 50 Oscar nominations, 
and it came at a perfect time in his career. He was credited as John Williams for the first time since his first film, and the Oscar nomination seemed to show that his peers were finally seeing the genius emerge after more than a decade of work in Hollywood. It's not known if John Williams attended that Oscar ceremony on April 10, 1968. The original date of the ceremony was April 8th, four days after Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. Gene Kelly, who had just worked with Williams on a guide for the married man, and Angie Dickinson were on hand to present the awards for music score. Here's how it turned out for the Best Score Adaptation or Treatment Award. Nominated for Best Scoring in Music Adaptation or Treatment are Alfred Newman and Ken Darby for Camelot, Lyle Newman and Alexander Courage for Dr. Doolittle, Duvall for Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, Andre Previn and Joseph Gershenson for Thoroughly Modern Millie, and John Williams for Valley of the Dolls. Okay, your turn, Jean. Oh, no, I insist. <laughs> you don't have your glasses. Are you prettier than I am. <laughs> yes, I do. I have right <laughs> The winner is, the winners are Alfred Newman and Ken Darby for Camelot. Man, it's so great to hear John Williams' name for the first time at the Academy Awards. We'll hear it 50 more times in a span of just 51 years, too. That's about one nomination per year. What an accomplishment. Alfred Newman and John Williams would always be linked together at the Oscars. Camelot's Oscar marked Newman's ninth Academy Award as a composer or arranger of someone else's music or, for a few times, as the head of 20th Century Fox Music Department when the Academy rules specified that the heads of the music departments received the award and not necessarily the composers. Newman received 45 total Oscar nominations, a record since broken by John Williams. Williams lost the Oscar that year, but he would get much more from Valley of the Dolls that would greatly help him throughout his career. The director, Mark Robson, would hire Williams for two more films, Daddy's Gone A-Hunting and Earthquake. And with the soundtrack to Valley of the Dolls becoming so successful, Williams' stock as a music producer would rise significantly. And there's one more thing that came from this film, and it's a blink-and-you-might-miss-it moment. Buried deep in the opening credits is the name of the music editor, Ken Wanberg. John Williams fans know that name very well. Wanberg would become the main music editor for Williams for the next 40 years. Valley of the Dolls would be the first Williams-Wanberg collaboration, with many more successful works to come, including the Star Wars films, E.T., Schindler's List, and many more. What does a music editor do, you might ask? He or she has the same duties as a film editor, taking the many takes recorded and assembling it into a polished, finished product. Every musical score in movie history has needed the help of an editor, since no orchestra is so perfect that they can play the music in every scene perfectly once. A music editor often sits down with the composer's music sketches, the composer's notes, and the final film and edits the music to fit, sometimes taking various parts of various takes and blending them together to sound like it was all done at once. Sometimes there is a late film edit and the music editor has to make changes. Sometimes a scene gets cut in half and the music has to be readjusted to sound like it fits naturally. Many in Hollywood would probably say that Wanberg was one of the best in the business. He's now 88 years old and enjoying retirement, a rather lucrative one, I'm sure. 
you'll hear Ken Weinberg's name a few more times throughout this podcast. And with that, we conclude our journey through the film Valley of the Dolls and the score by John Williams. For many years, I had known that the film marked Williams' first Oscar nomination, but after hearing how bad the movie was, I was fearful of watching it. This is just one of the many reasons why I'm so glad I'm doing this podcast, because it's giving me a valid reason to watch many of these films that I either outright avoided or never bothered to find. And sharing with you is just icing on the cake. So let's wrap up this episode of The Baton, and I look forward to the next episode when we explore John Williams' return to television with the infamous movie Heidi. If you only know about the movie because of its connection to the football game it interrupted, I hope you'll join me for this episode to explore what is another significant film score for the maestro. Until then, the baton is down.